Hello and welcome to the CIO UK Leadership Live. I'm Doug Drinkwater, the editor of CIO UK, and I'm joined today by Tariq Khan, who's the CDIO at the London Borough of Camden. Tariq, good to have you with me today. Thanks for joining. Hi, Doug. So today we're going to discuss a slightly unconventional route, you could say, to becoming a CIO, uh, the double-edged sword of using data to improve local services. We're going to look at digital literacy um, as well. And also ask you a couple of questions at the end of who the real Tariq Khan is as well, if we get time. For a bit of a background, as CDIO, Tariq leads London Borough of Camden's digital data and ICT teams in building an approach that resolves around the needs of residents and businesses. Previously, he had product and customer experience roles in CPG and the media and advertising sectors, where he worked for um, TNW and the Financial Times. So Tariq, I guess I've just alluded to it a bit there, but just give the audience a bit more detail on your background, because you obviously worked in customer experience. You've been very much almost my side of the house in terms of uh, the kind of digital uh, advertising and, uh, and PR world as well. So how did it all lead to where you are now as becoming a CIO? Yes. So um, as you mentioned, I started in Financial Times mm-hmm. um, in the very early days of the Internet um working on a lot of their digital and um news online products um before really product management was a thing i'd probably say um so kind of learned a lot about um digital product agile delivery a lot of those uh, bits and pieces was did some development as well mm-hmm. so did a bit of um, javascript and html development but nothing like major and then subsequent to that moved into consultancy and consultancy is really where I got an, an opportunity to be exposed to lots of different types of industries. So I've worked with everything from BBC to ASOS to HSBC, Nissan, um, a couple of uh, private uh, public sector organisations such as Treasury as well. And did that for a fair old time. Um, and then subsequently uh, moved to from a, from kind of agency to client side, as it were, um, working for a big um, fragrance and cosmetics uh, global organ um, uh, conglomerate mm-hmm. that owned brands such as Max Factor, Gucci, Burberry, and things like that. And really, this kind of connecting tissue that that um, um, uh, kind of weaves everything together is me essentially developing um sort of people plans and products around uh in private sector customer centered approach to technology and, and data um and so you know i i wasn't necessarily looking if i'm being honest to you at a, a role in local government but the role came up at camden and i always say that i actually i actually came because I wanted to join Camden rather than um, we wanted to join local government because in speaking to them it was very evident very early on that they had the ambition and the resources to really um, go above and beyond the the standard function of a local government. Um, They've got a really strong um, uh, purpose to tackle inequality and um, deliver social value to Labour Council. And 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 as I said, then they've got the resources to be able to do that as well as one of the the larger um, 
London boroughs, we we cover um, everything from uh, West End all the way through to King's Cross up to Highgate and Hampstead. It, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's two percent. Apparently, the businesses in our borough account for two percent of the UK economy. So it's pretty huge. Um, and so, yeah, I, it, it was an opportunity to kind of translate translate a lot of those skills and experiences into become into helping. Um, the council become a lot more citizen centered in their approach around technology and data. And it's I mean, just coming in off the back of the pandemic, where it's, you know, like with lot, pretty much every large organization, private or public sector, it's really knocked them for six and, you know, delivered a huge amount of change and, and uprooting and, um, and so it's 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 made Camden as an organization think about actually, you know, technology and data actually being so fundamental to um to to helping them turn into an organization that's fit for this, you know, ever-changing kind of world. Yeah. Um I want to come on to the the motivations behind the the, the Camden. I know you just alluded to a few of them there, but why Camden in a moment? But um in terms of the CIO role in particular, was that ever really on your radar, on your horizon, or somewhere like a North Star you want to get to? Or do you think it was more a case of you just developed the skills and that was the yeah. next best opportunity? I think it was always something because I think what you realise is that uh, my, my background is product. And and what you realise is it's all interconnected, right? There's if you're gonna if you want to develop great products, you need to have the right infrastructure, you need to have the right DevOps, you need to have the right um, data, you need to have the right um, conditions cultivated across, you know, people, products and uh, and processes. Um, so I was looking for an opportunity as well to kind of say, can I have a, a, a control over that whole remit? We talk a lot about, um, you know, user-centered approach to technology and, and, and digital transformation. Mm. Um, and it, it, that was one of the really compelling parts of this um, role as well, being able to have agency and control over the whole thing. And obviously the fact that we've got senior leadership there that really bought into the vision as well um, is really helpful. So in terms of the the motivations for, for Camden, and again, I think you spoke a bit about a few of them already, but I think it was yeah. the vision, customer-centred approach. Mm-hmm. And I think the third was that kind of social value just talk us through a bit about how that sealed the deal for you how that made it the job you wanted to take on it was really interesting because actually i was so i had left my previous role and was looking to come into another role Mm -hmm. um, and had a couple of offers in place but actually as i was about to take up some of those offers up the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. yeah and obviously everything kind of melted away a little bit and you panic and you think, oh, okay, what are you going to do? And and normally that panic would mean that you you kind of go into trying trying to get another role. But everyone knew for about six to nine months nothing was happening. So actually, it was is is incredibly. Um, I'm I'm incredibly grateful that 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 the cards fell in that way because it forced me to kind of sit down with a bit of space and time to actually think about what are the and, and reflect to my career to date. And think what are the key elements that I'm looking for in my next move that are going to give me the motivation and resilience to do my best work. Mm-hmm. And that was, and I'd be doing a lot of stuff 
out of hours around social value and things like that um and then that that's why that that opportunity came i think in private sector a lot of the time when you get into getting senior leadership positions you're talking about finding out finding the why you know the old simon Sinek thing about what's the why of your organization and a lot of the time that's obviously understandably that's secondary to revenue growth and sales and things like that so sometimes it can be a bit tricky this was a really appealing proposition because that stuff that i talked to you about you know delivering social value tackling inequality it's baked into everything that we do it is the core driver behind how the organization functions and what was really exciting for me is that everyone that i spoke to and everyone i could keep interacting with at camden has those values baked into them and that that why is very much a part of a lot of what everyone does so it's really useful as you're trying to deliver a digital transformation and then you talk about you don't talk about digital transformation but you talk about you know you know help using technology and data to enrich the lives of your citizens and um people like that it can, it's a very powerful motivator and a great way of bringing everyone on the journey yeah and oh, connecting the dots yeah, makes sense. I mean, I guess playing devil's advocate a bit then, Tariq, I mean, we know that the why is very powerful. The how, you could argue, uh, in public sector and local, uh, you know, local government can be can be tricky. And then obviously not not the least in the first time CIO role. So what, what did you learn? You know, you're joining mid-pandemic in your first CIO role in a local government that's not necessarily the quickest uh to, to enable change a lot of bureaucracy and red tape so what are the kind of le- lessons that, that what would you learn from that experience um and how what do you reflect on that time how do you reflect on that time so i'd come in from a period of consultancy where i'd been into a lot of different organizations mm-hmm. and one of the things that i've always noticed is you go into an organization and everyone thinks the others are doing better than they are Mm-hmm. there's always a perception that the grass is always greener and so and and, and i think there's a there's obviously a, a perception around public sector mm-hmm. which in certain respects is correct because it is a regulated body but in many respects i found it to be very similar to a large multinational organization such as unilever or diageo they have certain checks and balances that they need to undertake and actually i found i was surprised at just how quick they are um camden were prepared to move the other thing to remember is just like saying private sector is like this every company in private sector is different right you can you have lots of different organizations different sizes scales and aspirations camden i'm very lucky is very progressive has the resources to be able to deliver on some of those aspirations and has always been seen as very forward thinking. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, the fact that they hired me and they, they, they were specifically looking for someone with a perspective that was outside of mm-hmm. typical public sector is real sort of um, val- validation of that, that, that approach. What did I learn? I, it's, it's really, there's lots of really interesting things. So the first thing was actually the way that you think it is is it's not it's not as bureaucratic as you would probably think things can move fast if you need them to we had to move fast in the pandemic um, because there was lots of different people um needing our help 
Um, and there's no, no greater driver than that, right? If everyone's getting together, give you an example, there was lots of school children that were uh, didn't have the resources to be able to have um, online classes because um, they just didn't have a, a computer at home. And we were able to very quickly work with schools, work with the Department for Education in order to get those machines into people's into people's hands. And that's incredibly rewarding, right? When you when everyone's um, uh, singing off the same hymn sheet, as it were. So first thing is not really as bureaucratic as I was, uh, as as you kind of the perception is. Um, secondly, I would say the other real differences compared to private sector is with private sector you're always looking at your competitors, whereas in public sector it's much more like a team sport. Mm-hmm. So I have a really good relationship with a lot of the um, chief information officers across all the boroughs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have a really good um, relationship with the London Office of Technology and Innovation, yeah. who is the overarching um, sort of organisation. We're very cognizant of the fact that whilst we talk about Camden or Westminster, a citizen will walk through these ba- boundaries without any kind of, you know, oh, right, I'm in this ward or that ward. Actually, that doesn't. That doesn't play out. So there's a big focus on how we deliver data sharing, how we deliver cross uh, borough uh, work. And it's really, we're all kind of, but by and large, we're all the same sort of thing. All these councils are the same. So there's a lot of learning and a lot of sharing and a lot of um, a problem will come up and you will, uh, will be able to kick that problem around on a WhatsApp group with all the other CIOs in the in, in, in across London. So that's really lovely as well. Um, I think probably that the where it's it, it slows up a little bit is probably around a little bit around the procurement kind of side, mm-hmm. understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though we're there, I am pushing for um us to start looking at some new uh, new new ways of thinking around that. Mm-hmm. Um we're consider talking about um looking at things like zero-based budgeting as well and really looking at new ways in which we can um, deliver, um, you, know, you know, work finances in a bit more of an intelligent way in procurement. Interesting. Actually, it's fascinating on the, you know, you mentioned a team sport in, in local mm-hmm. authority and sharing um, best practice. We don't always hear that, shall we say, in, in, in private sector. Um, mm-hmm. Have there been any examples already of, um, you know, work that you're, you know, you're sharing best practice with, with other boroughs and they're sharing what they're doing. Is is that kind of like a, that's something you're seeing on, on the ground there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there, there's so many examples we can give. I think probably like to give you a few, a couple of recent ones. Obviously the, pandem- the, the pandemic has shone a light on those that are most vulnerable and without, um, and, and really highlighted that without, Tech, you know, access to technology or compute or um, uh, the internet, people can feel even more alone, and it's exacerbated that. So across London, there's a renewed focus around digital inclusion, mm-hmm. making sure people have the skills, the access, um, and, and the and the, um, uh, the the equipment in order to I- interact in mm-hmm. in the in in the modern community. So um, there's a lot of work. Um, going on cross borough in terms of um, sharing learnings mm-hmm. um, and de- looking at how we can deliver kind of consistent um, training and strategies across all of our public bodies. 
what I would encourage people to do is if they if they are interested in that to have a look at the the Lottie website, mm -hmm. uh, London Office of Technology and Innovation, and that pretty much talks about all of the initiatives that we're all doing across across different um, uh, uh, boroughs, yeah. and um, you can even look in you can look by by um, it's it's really good because you can you can look by borough and it will tell you all of the different um, uh, initiatives that they're working with with the different um people so yeah fantastic and, and and different boroughs have different specialities right like for us at the moment we're quite progressive in terms of data capability yeah. so we've recently delivered a something called a the camden data charter which has been quite a progressive piece of work we've worked with alan turing institute mm -hmm. um to kind of build trust within our community around how we use data and using really using it as a foundation for our uh, kind of data aspirations and that's and some of that work is now being used as a as a building block for a lot of the other work that's being done across different boroughs yeah actually i want to stay on that data piece tweet momentarily because i'm going to come on to that slightly um mm. later but it's interesting isn't it because when we speak about data sharing and, and again especially in, in in public sector we've seen examples of this in nhs over the last couple of years it you know instantly people are kind of fearful of how that data has been used, how it's being shared. So just talk us through a bit about the data charter, what it aims to do and how yeah, you're, yeah. I guess, getting the citizens on the side there, because that's mm. your biggest challenge, right, to, yeah. to adoption. Yeah, yeah, of course. So that's, that's, that's a really big kind of difference in private sector to public sector. So pre pre previously, um, you know, I've done, I've done lots of work around delivering products using AI and uh, sort of probabilistic modeling and all these sorts of things in the private sector. Um, but actually, as you mentioned, what, what's really important as a foundational piece is starting to build out trust with your citizens. And, and so when we talk about data foundations, a lot of the time, and before I was talking about, you know, data quality, data governance, but actually that date, that that um, engagement in data with your residents is actually in local government, a foundational piece that you kind of have to have before you do anything further on. So this um, data um, charter is basically a social contract between us and our citizens. And it's, it was always a tricky thing to do um, because it was like, you know, data is a is a complicated subject and it can be very vague and it can be very complicated. And it's how do you kind of express a lot of those things uh, and, and get your citizens on, uh, to understand that before you can then talk about the challenges and the, the opportunities that face. So there was a big piece of work which started way before I had actually joined. Um, whereby we were um, working with the Alan Turing Institute uh, across a number of uh, weeks and months to um, educate a big group of citizens who had, there was a call out to see who wants to get involved. <clears throat> and they, they, they were exposed to a number of data experts from within the council and in the Alan Turing Institute, talking about data concepts, showing case studies, talking about specific situations and what are the perils and what are the opportunities and, and things like that. And basically, at the, to, towards the end of that, it culminated in a what's known as a data charter, which is 
a set of principles that we work to, but also it's a set of cast iron guarantees as well that we so for example we uh, agreed to um transparency around our data sharing agreements within certain society as uh, so sorry security uh, it's kind of limitations and there's a number of commitments that we've said that on a yearly basis we'll be running the the interaction with our citizens on a yearly basis mm-hmm. so being held to account every year to say how have we helped this how do we evolve data charter what are we doing what can we be doing better um and it's really you know kind of using that as a fundamental uh piece of work another big big commitment to that was hiring a chief data officer, a chief data officer yeah who who reports into me who's recently just joined and is responsible for um looking a lot more across the council because as you can imagine the council's got 600 well it's got a lot of services it's actually 600 different lines of business within one um within within our council so as you can imagine there's a number of disparate data sets within that and what we've we've had is a lot of expertise and um capability around those specifics but we haven't invested as much in that overarching kind of data capability uh and one of the one of the commitments that we made in the data charter was to hire a chief data officer with a view to building out a um uh, a, a strategy around how we start looking a little bit more um, whole system uh, rather than individually. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, data literacy, I mean, I guess it's interesting, isn't it? Because you could say yeah. that articulating the benefits of data is, is troublesome to the, the biggest organisations in the world, certainly from the kind of boardroom down. So how are you able to articulate the benefits to citizens on this? And I guess, I mean, some of this may come down to the benefits for them. So, for example, I think one of the um camden's key missions is by 2030 everyone in the bar will be eating uh, well every day with nutritious affordable and sustainable food so m- maybe you can root it in some real world exactly. this is how we're going to use the data to improve mm. your life is that the kind of yeah. the storytelling exactly angle? that that's it i mean it's 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 making it, it it's bringing the human story around it mm-hmm. um and talking about the the outcomes that you're trying to achieve and data, you know, simply being the enabler in of always positioned technology and data just uh, to be, you know, the um, enabler. It's almost like the paintbrush yeah, um, yeah. that you use mm-hmm. to 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 create the to um to create the art. Um, so, um, it's it's really grounding that in real world examples, having an honest conversation as well about the opportunities, but also the challenges around that too, yeah. um, and. I think that yearly check-in is great because it's it's kind of talking about what's the level, what's the risk appetite. It's really interesting actually because I've been doing, I've been looking a lot around data ethics, uh, so AI and data ethics at the moment, and what I've realised is there's actually a huge opportunity within local government that is very difficult to um, enact on a national level. Because if whenever we're talking about data from national level, it's actually very difficult to have that granular conversation with your citizens. You know, it's such a broad thing. Yeah. Whereas for us, because we were so we're on such a local level, and you know, even the examples we give can be very specific, and it can be rooted in. You know, we can talk about implementing stuff around uh, the Camden Learning Centre building just down the road, and. 
one of the challenges we've got is trying to get people's digital you know data capability within the school children uh, better so maybe we can do x y and z so really grounding it in those those local um um relationships and that's where i think really there is a there is a value because I, I you know what i've done in private sector i've looked at a lot of these i've been in a lot of these big global roles mm -hmm. where it all becomes kind of quite uh it the, the numbers are so vast that it almost becomes um very homogenized and you're talking about personas and you're talking about segments and you're talking about this and that whereas it's great to be able to work at that local level and really you know speak to people and and connect with them yeah and actually that that, that kind of um relates to other activities i think you're doing or initiatives you're doing in this area i think you've recently mm -hmm. partnered with uh, air labs and, and clean air initiative to um you know air quality sensors i believe yeah. to, to, to kind of see the sense of the, the quality of air in, in the local area too right yeah yeah i think we're taking uh we're taking a very progressive but we're, we're taking a very progressive approach to how we work with partners as well mm -hmm. right because we've got to we've we've got them we've got a revised strategy now in terms of where we want to go with stuff post pandemic and we're very we've got a very clear set of um sort of ambitions and goals mm -hmm. and then that then provides us with a number of different anchor points within which to go out to lots of different organizations you know voluntary community sector etc but for me specifically startups scale-ups people that are looking to um do things so, and um who are you know having been involved in these sort of sort of startup scale-up thing they're always trying to find the what's the, the product market fit the problem that they're trying to solve and the great thing about where where i am is we've got plenty of those so we can definitely connect you up yeah. and we can definitely give you the real world experience and the real world insight um that you need so we're we're trying to encourage more and more working with third parties mm -hmm. um who have similar aspirations and goals um in order to deliver uh sort of uh, the, the the right outcomes using uh, new implementations of technology and data. That's very interesting. Actually, I was going to come to this again a bit later, but um, given your point about around working with startups with scale ups, and and that almost befitting your own background and and who you've worked with in the past, who you've worked for, to what degree do you think you've brought that kind of product mindset across into into local government? I guess local government has, and central government has historically been more project big bang. Kind of mm -hmm. projects led yeah. so are you are you seeing a shift there that's something you, you've yeah. led how are you finding that so it's quite actually it's like when you get in you realize the public sector is actually incredibly progressive i mean if you look at if you if i was to talk about actually a proper agency that's that's doing product thinking doing it well world class mm -hmm. you look at the government data and uh, um, government digital service mm -hmm. right gds they're, they're, a lot of that is best practice and Tom Reed's doing a great job over there, and um, and you see examples of it across uh, national government where they 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 know what they're talking about and they're and they're sort of inter moving forward with it. There's also been a huge influx of people recently in the in in the operations of national government. That like mm. there's some people from uh, McKinsey and other ones from Lego. So th th mm. there's definitely a, I think a lot of people post pandemic are starting to realise that actually you know, what is it that they're, they're looking to do in their lives yeah. and how, how they're looking to their value. And they're coming over and starting to, to make these changes. But to answer your question, 
around the product thinking. Yeah, we've so what 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 we're really doing is we're looking at a much more. So I come from product, but what we're really looking to do at Camden is uh, look at a much more design thinking led approach to our transformation. I don't really like the term digital transformation because mm-hmm. um, that you know some organisations have had um, like departments or people that are specifically responsible for that. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is something slightly different. So we're looking at a design led journey, mm-hmm. and my department and capabilities are part of that um from a product um kind of lens but there is also um service design there is also policy design Mm -hmm. and there's also organizational design as well as data and product Mm -hmm. um that are all working together to kind of move in a certain direction where we are a lot more citizen focused so it's not we're really looking at it in a multifaceted approach from various different departmental lenses all trying to achieve the same kind of goals um, yeah more uni- unified joined up it almost seems like yeah and product thinking is part of that but there's also a lot more i mean even building in design thinking around policy creation mm-hmm. is is a really interesting and progressive way and human resources and things like that mm-hmm. is a really interesting and progressive way that we're looking at it Super interesting. And then, um, Tweek, I guess final few few questions for you is, and, and you've touched on this already, but um, digital inclusion obviously is is a nationwide uh, challenge and has been through the pandemic, um, and probably not least at uh, boroughs like Camden. And I know you've mentioned some work you've been doing with school children, for example. Um, yeah. I, be, I believe you need partnering with with, with um, Google on on some kind of training as well. So just talk us through some of the work that you're you're doing in that area. I think we're we're. we're so there's elements of work that we've done across Camden. So that's some of the stuff that I've talked to you about. But we're really looking to take a much more significant and consolidated approach to this now. So when we talk about digital inclusion, I am <clears throat> um, obviously we're looking at um, a lot of underrepresented uh, backgrounds. Um, I myself am a trustee at Scope, which is mm-hmm. the uh, one of the largest uh, disability um uh, charities and we're, we're we're kind of really at the early stages of understanding what do we mean by digital inclusion what where are the there's a lot of different um areas so everything from the more obvious like you know elderly young disabled but right through to people that are finding it difficult to get jobs how are we getting to um uh, make sure that the con you know the um the the digital economy is not um, stopping people from progressing in their careers and really at the moment we're we're looking at um, that what that what digital inclusion means to us and how we're going to cut our cloth accordingly because there's a lot of different streams that we can look at Um, so there's some very obvious ones like um, starting to invest in our uh, libraries around digital capability Um, what what we're really looking um, to do is looking at you know a lot of these public spaces and how we use these in a much better, more multi generational um, way as well. There's things like teaching people um, so elderly how to use uh, the internet in a much uh, more a much richer way 
right through to looking at younger school children and not just looking at education, but how do you inspire them around technology? We have lots of world leading organizations at our doorstep. Google is next door, Facebook's down the road, you know, speaking to Microsoft yesterday. And what we, what we want to do is we want to put all these people in front of some of these school children and say, look, this is what can be achieved mm-hmm. and, and move away for also from that rather staid version of technology, which is a computer sciences um, training, kind of, you know, coding type thing, which is obviously mm-hmm. important, but really broadening that out to say, looking at digital and like, have you looked at careers around UX? content creation we have um community centers that are offering um training at the moment to lots of different um age groups but we are really looking to to kind of kick the tires and say what does what does digital literacy mean to us mm-hmm. in the modern age because it is evolving and it is shaping and it, you don't necessarily have to be good at coding mm-hmm. to be involved in that world the old school IT kind of version of technology is has has evolved and shaped, and really sort of kind of trying to inspire people to get um, uh, have a, have a much deeper uh, relationship with um, digital. Yeah, no, that's a great comment, then. I think you're right. Digital literally needs to be seen in 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 the in the whole, really, rather than mm. perhaps the traditional uh, view we have on what digital means and and yeah. uh, IT too. And then, Tweet, I guess my final question to you today is, is where next for you, the next six to 12 months? What, what's your kind of on your, I'm sure, lengthy to-do list? Uh, what what you focused on? So we, I, I feel like I'm making really good progress. Been here for a couple of years and we're, we're sort of halfway through a transformation. I would, prob- I, I would probably say that that implies that there's an end, but obviously, as we, mm-hmm. as we all know, that, that, that never really happens. Um, we've built out, we're currently I'm in the process of building out a lot more significant product and data capability um, within my um, department. In terms of, and really the last two years has been about getting the foundations right, Mm -hmm. making sure we've got infrastructure and security in a place where it's, uh, you know, secure, scalable, interoperable, uh, making sure that we've got an enterprise level architecture, uh, architectural plans. Um, I think the next couple of years is where the the really exciting stuff's going to start happening we've started we've got the capability we've got the people the processes we've got the infrastructure in place now is the chance to really start innovating and start doing some you know we've got that relationship with our um, citizens and really looking at how we can use technology and data as a powerful enabler to deliver um, the aspirations that Camden has and we're already already in some really uh, exciting and early talks with um, a lot of the different departments around what we can do as well as um uh, private sector businesses and a uh, voluntary and community sector as well so really interesting i think also finally what what i think camden is really wants to do is start to be a little bit a, a more of a convener of people so how do we connect voluntary and community services with with big business and kind of and kind of get out of the way a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. and help empower uh, people within our community so that's something that we've got some early plans around and we're uh really interested i think there's a role for like um may, it, 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 there, there could be a role for like 
curating technology as well for our community and helping them, you know, um, get, give, giving them exposure to certain um, ways in which we can do things and just kind of letting them get on with it yeah. And, yeah. and helping them, giving them the tools to kind of then uh, develop their own solutions and products. Yeah. Fantastic. And then very finally, also to do a couple of quick fire questions at the end. So um, quick one, what do you want to be growing up and what would your superpower be if you had to choose? Uh, growing up, I would say um, I wanted to be an artist, actually. And I did. Funnily enough, I had uh, I did, did quite well at it. I did I had a scholarship. I had a scholarship that I didn't take up. Um, but at that time, it was art was not really seen as a career. And being from an from a standard Asian family, you would be like. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's uh, I'm probably a frustrated artist. So if you ask any of the designers that you speak yeah. to, they say that I'm a right pain in the ass. <laughs> um, in terms of special uh, superpower, I would probably say slow ability to slow time. Mm-hmm. Because at the moment, it doesn't feel like I've got enough hours in the day. Uh, so it would be great if I could just free stuff, read everything that I needed to read, mm-hmm. and think about everything that I need to think. Yeah. And then just give me a, like four months to get all that stuff done. And then I'll be back on the meetings. <laughs> this is a bit of a blast from the past. But when I was growing up, there was a program on TV called Bernard's Watch, where you, the guy would pause time, um, uh, right. which, was, uh, which was perhaps that superpower. But, but there we go. That sounds um, great. Pokemon, so I'll have to ask him about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Tariq, um, always a pleasure to chat. So thank you so much for joining us today at the CIO UK Leadership Live. Lovely to speak to you, Doug. Thank you. Fantastic. And of course, thanks to you all for tuning into this session. I hope you enjoyed that and got something to take back into your day jobs. That's all for me for now, but I'll see you again very soon. Thanks and goodbye.